In Philippians chapter 2, begin reading with verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. There's a lot in this verse, two verses. And I hope by the grace of God that we can look into these verses this morning and see the greatness of God's salvation. Salvation, as we're going to get into this, we're going to see has various degrees. Past, present, and future. And as we think about the example, who left us an example, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, we have the example of Jesus as a servant. He humbled himself. Paul says, let this mind be in you. We are to humble ourselves before God. A humble spirit is a teachable spirit. We've got to humble ourselves. It says in 1 Peter 2, 21, For even hitherto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. You say, who can I follow this morning? Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow Dave as he follows Christ. Follow Roger as he follows Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. If we don't follow Christ, don't follow us. The exaltation of Christ, you know, Christ was exalted, shows that there are great things in store for those who follow this example. Our prayer is to hear Jesus say unto us in Matthew 25, 33, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Aren't we longing one day to hear him say that to us? Well done, my good and faithful servant. We think about Jesus Christ at this very moment. What is Christ doing at this very moment on our behalf? He's interceding for us. Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore, He is able also to save them to the uttermost. They come unto God by Him. How do we come unto God the Father? By Him. Seeing He ever liveth to make intercessions for them. Hebrews 7.25 He's living right now. He's ever living making intercessions on your behalf. In my behalf. And 924 says of Hebrews, For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Look at Christ. Everything He did, even when He left this earth and He entered heaven, it was for us. Everything. He laid down His life for us. And that's why Paul says, in Hebrews 12, 2, that we should look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Beloved, he, for joy, he went and died on our behalf, brother Day. Joy. And you know the Christian life has suffering in it, but it should be a joy for you and I to suffer for Jesus' sake, for his sake. Now I want to give you a few verses as we get into this to kind of parallel verses. You know, the Word of God says we're to compare Scripture with Scripture, and the Scriptures will explain each other. They should be in total agreement. Scripture will not contradict another Scripture. 
They harmonized. I've quoted this verse many times, but I want to apply it to our text. I can do all things. Note, this goes along with the verse in verse 12 where Paul says, work out your own salvation. I can do those things. You can do all things. You can work out your own salvation. It says, through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And the second part is, note, for it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. So as we work out, that's what we can do. Paul says, I can do all things concerning my salvation. Now he's talking about sanctification in this particular time. Sanctification. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 now. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We need to have a reverent attitude as we serve God. We are not passive, but active in working out our salvation. We are active. We're the ones, as we're going to see. To work means to achieve, to complete, to carry out, to accomplish, carry out to fulfillment. And to work out is in the present tense. It indicates continuous effort. We are to be continually working out our sanctification. Salvation there is sanctification. We're to be doing that. The emphasis is on sanctification. It refers to our spiritual growth and progress. We're to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, I have a note here. When we believe, we are, we are doing the believing. When I believe, it's, I'm believing, not God. But I can't believe without God's power and grace. See, I believe, but God enables the believing. Okay, it brings us down to doing. We are, we are doing, but God, but not without God's enabling grace. We obey God, but God, not God obeying for us. God is not obeying himself. He, we're obeying. But without his power, inward power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot obey God. You can't separate God's power, the Holy Spirit, from Christian service or sanctification. They go together. They go together. Now, I believe before I finish this morning, you'll see how clear that is. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You're going to see what that means this morning. If left to yourself, you cannot live the Christian life. You cannot. Christ said, follow me in John 10, 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. Now the word hear and the word follow is in the present tense, indicating continuous action. He's saying that my sheep are continually hearing my voice. And they are continually following me, present tense. So God's sheep hear Christ, they hear His words, they learn, they obey, and they follow Christ, and they keep on doing this. And this is a mark of a sheep. Paul said to fight. To work out your salvation, it's a fight. He said in 1 Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight of faith, a hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. The Christian life is a fight, the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. These are contrary the one to the other. Beloved, we are continually in a spiritual battle in our life. As Brother 
Dave mentioned about reading that uh, pamphlet by Brother Jerry Hunt Sr. On that, on that subject of the warfare, the Christian warfare. It's a race. We're all in a race, a Christian race. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. The race is set before us. We have the prize, the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We're looking at that goal. We look into Christ and we want to hear him say one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the aim of each one of us, to please the Lord. Paul says to the saints of God in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast. We need to be steadfast in the Lord. Unmovable. Don't let just the every little wind of doctrine shake you and throw you, knock you down. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be busy in the Lord's work. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Beloved, it's not vain to serve God as it says in Malachi. It's not vain to serve the true and living God. And also as we live the sanctif- sanctification, we are to love one another. 1 Thessalonians 4 9 says, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God. What? To love one another. We're taught of God. Jesus taught us, taught that in his ministry, that we're to love one another. James in the book of James says, Submit to God, yourselves to God, and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. We need to be submitting ourselves to God. We need to be resisting the devil. These are things that are working out our salvation. John said to walk as Christ walked, to abide, to continue, to love each other as God loved us. Therefore, my beloved, wherefore, my beloved, in Philippians 4.1, he says, Therefore, my beloved, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Oh, we're to stand fast in the Lord. And as we read the verse earlier, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the emphasis of the text, he says, as you have always obeyed in my presence. You know how sometimes uh, people, and this is just human nature, uh, they get a new preacher or they get a preacher and they'll be so faithful, they'll be there to the preacher. But as long as the preacher's there, they're faithful. But when the preacher's gone, they're not faithful. Um, that's why Paul's saying, don't, don't be just obedient because I'm there with you. He goes, he says, he looks back to the days of Philippi in the old days. Let these be like those. It is not a statement, but an appeal that they are to work out their salvation, not only with, when he is there to help them, but now when he is away. They are to continue and how, and this is the part we're coming down to, not as in my absence only, don't depend on me. Don't depend on your pastor. And who do you depend on? That's what we're coming down to. But now much more in my absence, depend on God which worketh in you. That's who we depend on. David's depend on God. I'm to depend on God. You're depend on God. Now you can uh, follow your pastor as he follows Christ, and you can follow the elders as we follow Christ, but you're depending upon God's grace, his working in you. No matter if we're here or not, God is here. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
His absence was to be occasion for the further realization of their own personal obligations and personal resources in Christ for their spiritual life by the Holy Spirit. Learn to live upon the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, and he testifies all the way through the, the epistles and through the word of God. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Look how he says, not I, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Who is he lifting up? He's lifting up Christ. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we must realize we live by the faith of Christ. We live by his strength. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. As we're reading the word of God, it's like a glass, like a mirror. Are changed into the same image. Whose image? The image of Christ. From glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Who is changing us into that image? The Holy Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God. And Paul testified about his sufficiency. He had this to say. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, he says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. He says, I don't think anything of me. I have no sufficiency. He said, but our sufficiency is of God, out of God. The word of, ek, is out of God as a source. Paul didn't run around and say, I'm self-sufficient. I don't need God. I'm self-sufficient. I can do it on my own. Nope. Paul says, I can't even think a thought apart from God. Oh, how Paul gave God the glory. Ephesians 3.16 said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. How? With might by the Spirit and the inner man. Paul said that we're strengthened by the Spirit and the inner man. Not by our self-sufficiency, but by the Holy Spirit. And Paul says in 3.20 of Ephesians, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly or superabundantly above all that we ask to think according to the power that's worketh in us or operating in us. There's a power working in you that's not of you. It's of God. That power is what gives you the ability to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God's working in you. Hallelujah. I'm glad God didn't leave, leave me to myself because I can never do it on my own. Paul said in Colossians 1, 9 through 11, For this cause we also, since the, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. Look how they prayed for each other. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We need spiritual understanding of God's Word, beloved, so we can walk in the truth of it. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience, long-suffering with joyfulness. How are we strengthened with all might? According to His glorious power. There's a power working in you that's not of yourself, it's of God. As one author says, remember, the end of all knowledge is what? Conduct. Conduct. God gives us knowledge, and we should obey it. Conduct. Conduct. Our goal is to be conformed into the image of Christ. Conformed to His image. And can you think of a better image to be conformed to? The fruit of the Spirit basically is the image of Christ. 
it's wonderful when we, when we become more like Christ in our daily walk. Paul said in Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God has a design for you and I, and that's to be conformed to the image of Christ, his son. And then as we look at verse, the second part of verse 213, for it is God which worketh in you. This is the key. It's God worketh in you. You're not self-sufficient. God is your sufficiency. Keep that always in front of you. I can do all things, not by myself. I can do all things through Christ who's infusing strength into me. Paul says in Philippians 1 6, having confidence, of this very thing that that he which hath begun a good work in you, talking about God the Father, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What God starts, he'll finish. He has no miscarriage. When he gives a birth to his child, they're going to make it all the way to heaven, all the way to glory. Ephesians 2.10 says we, we are his workmanship. Every one of us is his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus under good works. Now that's a key thought. Remember that. That you're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Because outside of Christ there's no good works. Only in Christ and through Christ and by His strength and by His grace and by the Holy Spirit's ability can you perform good works. That's why this is important that you understand this. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Dave will be dealing more with this when he gets to uh, verse 10. I'll try to stay away from that, Brother Dave. Both the will. God which worketh in you both the will. In Psalm 110, 3 it says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauty of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of that youth. In Hebrews 13, 20, which is a beautiful verse, we all enjoy, love this verse. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now verse 21 is the one we're coming to. Make you perfect or mature in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is pleasing in His sight, well-pleasing in His sight. Who's working in us? Who's helping us work out the salvation? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The reason we need to be fear and trembling is because God personally is working in us and through us and doing those things that are well-pleasing in His sight. It says, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, I'm grateful that God didn't leave us alone. I'm grateful that Jesus says, I will send you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come and manifest myself to you and to do his good pleasure. He said, as a branch cannot bear fruit of, the, of itself unless it abide in the vine. If you ever cut a branch off a vine, what happens to it? It withers away. And if we're not close to the vine, in the vine will wither away. So neither can you unless you abide in me. John fifteen four. So here also only... Then can and do the Philippians work out their own salvation when they remain and live in contact with their God. You cannot separate Christian living from God and say, I'm self-sufficient. 
I'm born again, so I don't need nothing else. I got all I need to live the Christian life. Without God, you cannot do anything. You must, it must be God working in you, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. And we learn to trust God and to rely on God. And this is very biblical. Believing in God's word, we can live upon God by his faith and His by his strength working in and through us, we can obey the Lord. Faith, we believe God. By his strength, we obey him. So if you set out to believe God and don't depend on his faith, you're going to fall on your face in unbelief. And if you set out by faith to believe God, and then you don't believe God's working in you without his power, you don't depend on his power, you can't obey him. So, beloved, we are 100% dependent upon God. There's no self-sufficiency in us. Our sufficiency is of God. Remember that. We can trust God in all things. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.9, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Notice this, that we should not trust in ourselves. Remember that. The apostles had this now, the apostles. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. But in God, which raises the dead, where should your trust be? Not in you, but in God who raises the dead. Who delivered us from a great death and doth deliver, and whom we trust that he will also yet deliver. That's what you call the three tenths of salvation. Past, present, and future. He's delivered us, and he's going, he's delivering us now, and he will continue delivering us. It says in, uh, in the present tense there, Galatians 1 4 said, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. That word present there is perfect tense, which means he delivered us in the past, and he's still continuing delivering us from this present evil world. Hallelujah. According to the will of God and our Father. Beloved, God has all things in control. We can be sure that God's able to help us in all things. This is a verse speaking about Abraham in chapter 4 of Romans 4. He said, and being fully persuaded, Abraham was, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham believed God when he said that Sarah was going to have a child. He believed God, even though both of them was not able to have children. But he believed God. He didn't waver. That's amazing. We read this earlier. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He done beyond what Abraham could even think. Sarah, remember, she laughed when she heard that. According to the power that worketh in us. Operating in us. Remember, Jesus says, only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Believe in the God who called you. Second Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Do you believe that? God is able to do what? To make all grace abound toward you as an individual Christian. What do you need? Paul says, let us come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's a throne which strictly for of grace. Not of judge, judgment, but grace. 
And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. He says in 2 Timothy 1.12, For the which cause I suffer the, these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You committed your soul unto the Lord, he's going to keep it until the day. And he's going to say unto you, well done, my good and faithful servant. It says in the book of Hebrews 2.18, For that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. That word means, succor means to run to the cry, to run to the aid thereof. When, you, when you're suffering, Jesus runs to your aid as your advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. You know, we don't remember all of these things, but he's there. He said in Hebrews, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. So we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And isn't that a blessing to have that encouragement? The Lord is my helper. That's why, again, we read that verse in Hebrews. It says, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. That come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercessions for us. Do you think he's going to fail in his prayers? Everything he ever asked the Father, the Father did him. He prayed that he'd lose none, and he's lost none of his sheep. Now we're going to look for a few moments at God the Father's purpose. God the Father's purpose. We do worship God, it says, with fear and trembling in that verse. And in Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Now some people don't believe that means what it says. They don't believe all things means all things. They want to limit that. But I believe by studying Scripture with Scripture, we can very well show you that all things means all things. For an example... You know the story of Joseph and Jacob and his sons. He says, here's what, for good, Jacob cried out, all these things are against me. He lost his son Joseph. Now he said, I'm losing my son Benjamin. He says, all these things are against me. But Paul says, all things are working together for good. It takes faith to see that. All things are working together for good. Not that all things are good, but God is working all things, even evil itself, for our good. And one of the great examples of that is in the life of Joseph. In Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. I know most of you know the story of Joseph. And how he was sold into Egypt. And how he was imprisoned. And Pharaoh's wife accused him of trying to molest her. He was thrown in prison. But God was always with Joseph. Here's what Joseph said concerning these things. Now here's an example that all things work together for good for Joseph and for Jacob. Jacob says, all these things are against me. He was getting weak in faith. But Joseph says in verse 20, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. You would meant it for evil, God meant it for good. He took that which was evil and worked it out for my good. To bring to pass, it is this day to save much people alive. God had a purpose in everything. 
And then Genesis 45, 5. For God did send me before you to preserve life. In verse 7, he said, And God sent me before you to preserve you a prosperity. Who was that? The tribe of Judah. If they would have all died, we wouldn't have a Messiah. If we didn't have a Messiah, Jesus hadn't come into the world, we'd still be lost in our sins and we'd be doomed for hell. But God was working all things out for our good, for all of us, for God's people, so the tribe of Judah would be there and Christ came through the tribe of Judah and that's the blessing that we had. In verse 8 he says, So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. A lot of times we don't understand what's going on in our lives, but God's working in the background. We need to learn to have more trust and faith in God. We see this worked out in David's life. Now, I don't understand all the ins and outs of predestination and God's counsel and God's purposes, but I know one thing. I believe in the the sovereignty and government of God is over all things. I believe every child of God shouldn't have no reason to... To deny that God is the governor of providence in this world. Everything that comes into this world, God is governor over those things. As he worked in Joseph's life, he works in your life, in my life, and each one of us. So that we can be conformed to the image of Christ. He goes on to say in Ephesians 1.11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. How does God work all things in our lives? According to the counsel of His own will. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows exactly what you need. He knows what to allow to come into your life. He knows when to remove you from that. He has everything in His control. And that's why it says in Scripture, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. You can't go against God and win. And this fits in right in beautifully with what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. In verses 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time was come, all of this was taking place for this moment. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. All the things that God did in controlling the life of Joseph and protecting the the line of the tribe of Judah and protecting the seed of God, it was for this purpose that in the fullness of time, God would send forth His Son to die as our substitute. God has everything in control. Jesus could not have came before this or after this. He came in God's precise time and providence. At the very moment God had predetermined, God had decreed, Jesus was sent forth. Beloved, God has everything under His control. And that should give us comfort this morning to know that our lives are under His control. He goes on to say in Romans 8.29, talking about the Father. I want you to notice as we go down through here how many times the Father is referred to. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So we have 
He, one, two, three, four times he's mentioned in verse 29, the Father. Verse 30, it says, Moreover, whom he, the Father, did predestinate, them he, the Father, also called. And when he, the Father, called, them he, the Father, also justified. And whom he, the Father, justified, them he, the Father, also glorified. You get the idea that God the Father is in control? <laughs> Amen. He's in control. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say then to these things? If God the Father be for us, who can be against us? There is nothing can be against us in reality. Now we do have demons and things against us that we fight against, but in reality, ultimately, no one can be against us in the sense of defeating us and destroying us. And he says in verse 32 of that same chapter, He, the Father, that spared not His, the Father's own Son, but delivered Him up for us, Jesus Christ, all, how shall He, the Father, not with Him, also freely give us all things? Freely. Do you need something in your Christian life? God says, I'll freely give it to you. We'll get to that in the next verse. Second Peter 1.3 says, According as His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You know, we pray, our Father give us this day our daily bread. That's things of life. We need physical things. We need a home. We need shelter. We need food. We need clothing. We need all these things. God gives us those things. And He also gives us godliness, which is our spiritual thing, spiritual life, through the knowledge of Him that hath called you to glory and virtue. Beloved, do you see the love of the Father? He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. He loved us with an everlasting love. And God the Father is working. He's the one that's making all things work together for our good. The Father. He's the one that sent Jesus. Jesus said, I will send you another comfort. And the Father will send you another comfort. The Holy Spirit was sent just like Christ was. And He said, He'll abide with you forever. How long will the Holy Spirit be with us forever? We'll always be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now coming down to the closing of the sermon. Again, we're going to look at the text in first uh, in Philippians 4.13. And give you a few more examples. I can do all things through Christ. You can't separate yourself from Christ. Which strengtheneth me. That word strengthen means to infuse strength in you. It is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of His good pleasure. It's they, they harmonize each other. Now I'm going to give you a biblical example of this. From the person who penned that. Paul penned this verse. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I'm going to give you an example out of his life. How this was a reality. As soon as I read it, you know where I'm going. 2 Corinthians 12 verses 7 through 10. Paul says, And least I should be exalted above measure. Through the abundance of the revelations. Paul had received such great revelations from God. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. At least I should be exalted above measure. See, you have to be careful with knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. And David and myself and Brother Roger, as we preach, we have to guard against getting puffed up. 
thinking we're something when we're nothing. We guard it. We have to guard against that because it's part of this fallen nature. So you pray for us in that area. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, now this, this is what the Lord Jesus said unto Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You say, Brother Rhodes, you don't know how weak I am. Paul says, I'd rather be weak so Christ's strength can be in me. As we go on to say, remember now, I can do all things through Christ, which is infusing strength in me. He tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, well, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake, for whom I am weak. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Do you see the application in Paul's life? Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am, Brother Dave. He lived his Christian life from the beginning when on the road of Damascus until his head was cut off. He lived it depending upon Jesus Christ. He said, all men forsook me, but the Lord stood by me. He, he had a close relationship with the Lord Jesus. He prayed to God the Father. He prayed through the Holy Spirit. What a blessing that was. And he goes on to say, now if you put these together, we come down to this verse, you can understand it, how it fits in, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Now do you see why Paul was saying that in Ephesians about the armor of God? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He didn't say be strong in yourself. You're self-sufficient. No, we can do nothing of ourselves. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might because it's God which worketh in you both the will and the do of His good pleasure. And that's why we quote that verse in Ephesians 3.20. Now to Him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask to think according to the power that worketh in us or is operating in us. And this reminds us of this verse. You can never... Never forget this verse. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. What can you do apart from Jesus Christ? Nothing, spiritually. Nothing. You can sin. You can sin. You can live in unbelief. You can be a failure. Without Christ, that's what you would be. But with Christ and through Christ and by Christ, by the Holy Spirit, you can do all things. Because it's God which worketh in you both the will and the do of His good pleasure. Now, this helps us to remember this verse in closing. Who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou had not received it? We can't go around boasting, oh, look at me, look what I am. If you received it from God as a free grace, why are you boasting in yourself? Here's what we should be saying. 1 Corinthians 1.31 says that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 
Whatever you eat, whatever you do in word or in deed, Paul says, do all to the glory of God. People say, well, how do I know what's right and wrong? The question is, is what we're doing for the glory of God? If it doesn't glorify God, then don't do it. If it brings dishonor upon the Lord, stop doing it. That, that's myself and you included, all of us. Whatever we do, whether it be in word or deed or tongue or anything we do, we should do it for the honor and glory of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I pray that you will think upon this message today and realize that you can live the Christian life through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, which is all of us working together to God's eternal purpose, who's watching over you and I, and working all things out for our good. May we pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for the truth of thy word. Thank you for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are the authors of our salvation, so great a salvation as Paul says. And we thank you that you're working in us both the will and the do of your good pleasure so that we can work out our sanctification in our daily lives, living upon the Father, living upon the Son, and living upon the Holy Spirit and reading the Word of God and obeying the Scriptures and obeying God and following you, Lord, as you command us to do and to love one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.